Well, I just want to take a few minutes to direct our minds in a certain direction tonight, or this afternoon actually, it's not tonight, preparing us for what we're here for, and that's to remember the Lord and His, He said, remember, remember me. And so that's what we want to do is remember Him, and in particular in relationship to what He's done. Uh, and we just sang about that. Pour that incessant love out upon our hearts as we think about what He has done. I begin with Galatians chapter 1, just reading the first five verses and not really taking this as a text, just to want to read it to begin the thoughts. And Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. He gave all that he had. He gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father. To whom he glory forever and ever. Amen. According to the will of our God and Father. Everything Jesus did, he did. According to the will of God, our Father. Why did he have to die? Why didn't Jesus simply come to earth to show us how to live? Show us how to have a relationship with His Father? I mean, after all, He knew He is eternal. He eternally one with His Father and forever. There's that love relationship. We've heard a lot about that over the last few months in the Trinity. And why not just come and Demonstrate that? Why do you have to die? The prayer that he prayed in John 17, and this is where some of the thoughts I think probably are coming from. If you read John 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus as it's called, you see the ultimate goal of the Son and the Father. It's expressed very clearly, isn't it? Well, why didn't Jesus just pray that prayer and then ascend back to his father? Why didn't he just ask for those things to be and then return to the father? But he didn't. Because there was something that was necessary in order to. To actually secure the very thing for which he was praying. And so right after that, you move into the. The Garden of Gethsemane and, and then, of course, the cross. 
and in the resurrection. Was it necessary that he die and rise again before that prayer that he prayed could be answered? Was it absolutely necessary? I mean, we, we, we say yes, and, and, and right, because it did happen. It, something else did happen. But, but I think this is one of the things that we need to be careful about, that we, we, don't, we don't skip over what was required in order to bring us into that relationship with the Father forever, which is exactly what Jesus is praying for, that, that we might be one with Him, that unity, that eternal unity with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. But it required something, didn't it? It required that He do something. And of course, the question when we ask why did He have to die can only be answered if we believe the record that God has given of Himself in the Scriptures. Including His creation, including sin that entered into the world by one man. We, it really is necessary that we, we go back to the beginning and see what happened. And so the Apostle Paul is, we can't, we can't just look forward. We can't just say, well, we're reconciled and we have an eternal glory that we've entered into now by faith and will enjoy forever. That's not where it started. Paul wrote, reflecting on the reconciliation that we have now received in Romans 5 and verse was it 11. He says, we have now received the reconciliation. But as he reflected on that, he moved into verse 12 and he says, therefore... Just as through one man sin entered the world. That, that, that was the problem. And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. The gospel of God concerning His Son. That's what Paul calls it in Romans chapter 1, and I think maybe a couple of other places. The gospel of God according to concerning His Son. And that is the revelation of what the triune God has done and is doing to bring many sons to glory. It's the message of how sinners like you and me, estranged from God by our sin, and at enmity with Him by nature, are reconciled to Him as friends. I just read that this week in my own devotion time. Flipping over to Romans 4. It was actually in the Old Testament, but in Romans 4. In Galatians, he's called a, Abraham was called a friend of God. And that's, we who have the faith of Abraham are called the friends of God. But that's not where it began. And so if a relationship with God as Father could have been restored by Jesus simply modeling a life that we could follow. And there's a, there's a large swath of religious folks call them, calling themselves Christians. You may not know them, but there's a large community of them who have come to this conclusion that the cross is really not necessary. But if a relationship with God as Father could have been restored by Jesus simply modeling a life that we could follow, 
then the sufferings he bore on the cross would have been unnecessary. But God has revealed to us with clarity and absolute certainty that according to His pleasure and purpose, the only way for our sin guilt to be removed and eternal death to be conquered was for He Himself in the person of His Son to take upon Himself what His holy justice required and what His infinite love Provided, which is was expressed in the last hymn that we just sang. That's why that hymn means so much to my soul. Jesus said after his resurrection, thus it is written, this is Luke 24, 46 and 47. Thus it is written and thus it was necessary, he said, it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. And to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The word necessary is used by Jesus himself. Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verses 22 through 24, said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel, the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. It had to be. It could be no other way. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that it that he should be held by it. And the Apostle Paul in in Thessalonica, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, Acts 17, 3 and 4, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer. And by the way, this is the message that we proclaim. To the world, as Paul did in Thessalonica, he had to suffer and rise again from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. The Apostle Paul, who once was satisfied without Christ, wasn't he? He had a relationship with God. In fact, he probably would have called God his father. You do find that in the Old Testament Scripture. It's not a predominant theme, but it is there. He probably said that God was His Father. But He came to see that He had no saving relationship with God when Christ appeared to Him, the risen Christ appeared to Him. And He never got over the glory of God that He that he saw in the face of the crucified, risen Lord Jesus. He never got over it. Brothers and sisters, sometimes I have the sense that I've gotten over it. And so that I can talk about our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, and what He did and what He accomplished with, with just sort of 
in sort of a factual way. As if it's not really that big of a deal. As if I would be just as well off now in my relationship to God had He never did anything. Had He never done anything. But you understand the very thing that He prayed for would not be so had He not followed through with the cross the resurrection and ascension. The imparting of His Spirit so that God, who is love, reconciled Paul, the chief of sinners, to Himself. Had the eternal Son of God not condescended to take on flesh to bear our sins in His own body on the tree. Language that we're so familiar with. But it really happened. He really did it. And then victoriously he rose over the grave. You understand if that, if that didn't, if that literally did not happen, Paul, you and me would still be accountable for our sin before God. And it doesn't matter what we say about our relationship to God. We would have no relationship of peace with God. We would not be reconciled. We would be without hope. But because He died and rose again. By the way, well, let me just say say this. Because He died and rose again, what did He do? He is the propitiation for our sins. Right? Now, Now, this is a big deal. In fact, I would suggest to you, there are a lot of things that could be said about that. That is not simply an expiation, as a lot of translations have it. It's not simply a removal of sin guilt. It's more than that. Propitiation says to you and me, the sinner, that there's something that you and I cannot provide. We don't have it. There's nothing we can... The angry gods of the heathens require that their subjects do something. Placate the angry God, right? Placate the angry God. Christianity is very different from that. The gospel is very different from that. God who is angry with sinners doesn't say to the sinner, placate me. Satisfy me. What does He do? Because God is love, He satisfies Himself, you see. That's what propitiation is. And that's what 1 John 4.10 Says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He did. He didn't require that of you. He did it. 
he did it. So that his wrath is removed, justice is satisfied, perfect love is ours. That is propitiation. And that distinguishes the true and the living God, the triune God, from every other God, Muslim God, or any other God who places all kinds of burdens upon the people in order to work their way into removing the anger of their gods from them. You can't do that. Only God who is love can do that. And He did that Himself as He bore that upon Himself on the cross. So that now, because He died and rose again, we have in Jesus Christ the Righteous One, an Advocate with the Father. We have one who is leading our case. He is our present mediator and intercessor at the right hand of God. And we're in union with Him and with the Father in Him. And the Spirit is is one in us and we're bound together and joined together with the triune God. You see, God is responsible for that. This is our God. Apart from our union with Him, who died and rose again, you see, we say, why did He have to die? Well, in order to accomplish the goal. So that we would not be forever separated from Him, but joined together with Him, you see. In this, you see the glory of the cross. It is not just a a figure bleeding on a stick of wood. It's God doing something that only God could do in infinite love. In Christ who died and rose again, we have unchanging peace with God. Our lives are hid with God in Christ and His Spirit seals us until the day of redemption. There is absolute security that we have. As you partake of the elements tonight, you are eating and drinking security. Oh, it's not in those elements, but it's what those elements remind us of, right? It's absolute security in Him. And oh, had Jesus Christ not died and rose again, we would be of all men most miserable. Especially with what we know. If it didn't really happen, it would be a farce. We'd be playing a game. Are we playing a game? Are we? Is this a reality? Are we affected by it? By Him? By who we are in Him? 
You see, we're not just uncondemned by God under the guilt of our sin. It's more than that. It's not just something out here, some idea out here. We we actually are drawn into that relationship. And it's because of Jesus Christ. The Father would not have sent His Son if it were not necessary. The Son would not have borne what He bore if it wasn't necessary. But God, who is rich, rich, rich. You find that word rich used in relationship to mercy in Scripture. Rich in mercy. You say, well, isn't He just? Oh, sure. Is He righteous? Sure. But the word rich is used in relationship to mercy. Because of His great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead. In trespasses and sin, He made us alive together with Christ. Oh, beloved, mercy and truth have kissed in Jesus. Don't you love that line in the hymn we just sang? Kiss the guilty world in love. I know it's not exactly the same thing as what I just said, but I love that line. But mercy and truth have kissed in Jesus. The cross is the emblem of wrath removed and love poured forth. It's that emblem. And so the gospel that we remember tonight is the gospel of God concerning His Son. Know that our souls would fill with delight in Him today as we remember Him. Him. His sacrifice for us so that we would be reconciled to God. So that we would be friends with God. So that we would have that relationship, so that His love would be poured out into us, so that all the things that He prayed for would be ours. All. Because of Him. Father, I pray that You bless